Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello. And I'm joined tonight by my co-host for the evening, Miss Jennifer McDaniels. Hello, Jen. How are you doing tonight, girl? Hey, Jenny. How are you? What's new? Um, not much, really. Uh, it's I, I'm I'm kind of it's raining and stuff out tonight, but uh, we've got a great show tonight. And you missed out, by the way. The She Squatchers were on, and Arla call it they were awesome. I would have loved to have been a part of that. I would have, but I was out and about and even had a a, a crash, so I would much rather have been tuned in listening to y'all. Yeah, that is right. Uh, uh, Did you get your uh, car straightened out today? I know you had to put it in the shop. It's in the shop. They're going to fix it. Um, I I, I hit a rock or an animal or something. I I don't know, but um, it did some damage to the bumper. And my tire blew out, and I was in the middle of nowhere, and I wasn't going to get out of my car. <laughs> so I drove it on the rim for about two to three miles until I got a signal. So it's done some damage to the rim. Oh, wow. Well, I hope you get that straightened out. Uh, this is going to be uh, Daniel B. West of Virginia's ECBR. And um, before we get uh, to talking to Daniel, we're going to I'm going to talk about uh, a little reminder here for folks. Uh, coming April the 21st of 2018 will be our first annual Harlan Kentucky CryptoCon. We will have seven speakers that include uh, Ed Brown of Big Truth Productions and YouTube Sit Down with Ed Brown. Uh, Bill Lancaster of Bill Productions will be at the event also to share his film Cultured Bigfoot. Matthew Dill of Mountain Empire Crypto Research Organization will be with us, including Michael Cook of Cook Crypto Research, Miss Arla Collett, Arthur and Bigfoot enthusiast, Miss Judy Hensley, former teacher and Arthur, will be with us to talk about panther sightings in and around the area. Also, we will have Tony Filosi, who is a paranormal researcher, a filmmaker with the CryptoCrew.com. Along with vendors and educational booths such as Wildlife Education 4-H and others, that's April the 21st of 2018 at 110 River Street at the Extension Depot in downtown Harlan, from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. And now for the fun stuff, Daniel Bill Warner, how's it going, my friend? I'm. Hey, Daniel, you there? Are you with us, Daniel? I'm actually messaging him right now, and he's wanting to know if we can hear him. And I said no. Uh, no, we can't hear. We he can't hear it? Daniel. Um, he might be. Uh, no, he's not muted. Not on my end. He's uh, everything's open. So he says that he hears us. Okay, he hears us. Yeah. Um, but we can't hear I'm him. Not, 
I'm not sure what's going on with that, but we do we do have um, someone with us tonight that I was actually going to keep of a little secret, but uh, I've had him on the show before, um, Mr. Zach uh, Starrick of Southern Illinois Monster Hunters is with us too. What's going on, Zach, brother? I think we're having a little uh, problem getting uh, Daniel on right now. He says he can hear us, but uh, we can't hear him, so let's talk to you for a few minutes. What's going on in your direction? Wet, that's what. Man, it's, it's coming down cats and dogs all day here, too. I think your message uh, just a little bit back. thought you were going to have to call in the and stuff to get you out. Oh, yeah, there's a town up about maybe about 50 miles north of here uh, called McLeansboro. One of their viaducts is uh, completely, it's about 13 and a half feet high, and it's completely flooded. Well. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. That's what it, that's what it takes, man. Um, well, until uh, we can uh, try to get Bill uh, on here, uh, Zach, uh, we were talking about some stuff today. Uh, you and I have the folks that are listening on what you've got going on. Well, um, ain't much going on, really. Uh I'm uh, currently getting ready uh, with this book that I helped co-authored with a feller out of South Carolina named John Stamey. Uh, We're getting ready to launch the book. It's called uh, Lizard Man, Bigfoot, and Friends. Um, It's a book compiled of uh, reports uh, turned into us, and I'm featured in that book with my encounter that I had with the Mothman. And uh, it should be ready for release here, I want to say, in a couple days. And uh, it'll be available on Amazon, and I'll be posting links for whenever it's uh, available for purchase. Okay, that's great. Uh, As I was saying, uh, most of my show is actually based around uh, Daniel tonight, and I'm at a standstill, really. I said I'm going to hang up and call back. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. You guys hear me? Hello? Hey, what's going on, Dan? Hey, you guys hear me okay? I got on speakerphone. Yeah, we can get you there. Hold on. I can't hear when Zach's talking. It's, all, it's a bunch of, it sounds like a computer screen streaming at me. <laughs> I heard that. But um, tell everybody what you got going on before we get into the show. Uh, tell everybody what you got going on for your event coming up to June the thirtieth and uh, July the first. Well, uh, well, let's see. To start off with, uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. Uh, June thirtieth and July, uh, yeah, July first, the ECBR was holding their first annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference, taking place in Fishersville, Virginia, at the Augusta Expo. Um, tell you what, it's looking real good right now. Um, our building, our venue, um, actually the size of our venue actually grew recently um, after taking care of some business recently uh, and talking to the general manager of the venue. Uh, after running running by what our expected turnout is and all our vendors that we plan on having, um, he said, he told me, it sounds like you need more space. <laughs> I said, you think so? He said, yeah. He showed me the other room, and uh, it was, it's massive. It is massive. 
And, uh, yeah, so, you know, the town manager is actually hooking me up with a much larger room. Uh, so it's actually looking a lot better than what it was. Uh, we're going to have an awesome setup. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. Um, and then our two-day event is also followed by a whole week long of uh, a Bigfoot camping expedition. So that's something we're also looking forward to. So. I'm always cool to to come out and just get in there and get to know uh, anything they want to know really about creatures. We need to go, Jimmy. You know that? Uh, yeah, we I'm going to try to get over there. Uh, hopefully we can. Definitely want to jump right into some questions tonight if you don't care. Uh, tell everybody what actually got you into Bigfoot research. Uh, can you uh, run that by me one more time? Uh, could you tell everyone what got you into Bigfoot research? Oh, what got me into Bigfoot research? Well, well, let's see. Once upon a time. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, well, it's funny, you know. I've always found myself in the woods, you know, you know, just exploring like I, I love to do. Um, you know, apart from always being in the woods, you know, Bigfoot wasn't really on my mind. You know, it was something I kind of knew about. You know, just never gave it any thought. You know, but um, you know, I think it was that it was at one time when viewing the Roger Patterson, uh, Roger, yeah, Roger Patterson and Bob Ginn a footage, and uh, you know, I was actually very intrigued by that. And then seeing the documentary that included that. Something, something kind of sparked a serious interest. Uh, uh, this curiosity popped up in me, and um, you know, just just observing that, it, I don't know, this excitement kind of developed. And you know, I guess going out in the woods, you know, after observing that and seeing that, it had me looking. It had me. It's like my uh, my senses became alert and opened up. You know, it's like. A new world got a, a you know a new world was opened up to me, and uh, you know I was amazed by just the little things I was picking up on, and you know I was getting amazed. And you know, I'll tell you what, it was something that started growing inside me. This passion started growing inside me. I was like, I got to really pay attention, and I got to get out here a lot more than I have been. And sure enough, that's what I started doing. And as I was spending time out in the woods, over the years, I, the more and more I observed and took my time, and it's when I started finding, you know, what a lot of people neglect finding. Um, well, you know, I started finding more evidence, evidence that to me was, like, mind-blowing, you know. And I'm not talking yeah. about structures and formations, you know, because that, that stuff kind of came a little later. Mm-hmm. It was the tracks I started finding, tracks. Or various, you know, animal kills randomly found out in the woods, you know, odd, you know, kind of odd things like that. And uh, so, you know, I kind of took it from there. That's where it kind of developed from that it, that point there. And then, um, you know, then you know, as I was, you know, independently pursuing my Bigfoot research at this time, I um, I eventually learned that there was more. Bigfoot, you know, people involved with Bigfoot and Bigfoot research. 
And uh, I, it was kind of a discovery, you know, I came across on social media. Um, I was kind of blown away how many people were actually involved with this. And I had no clue. I really did not have no clue. Then started joining some of these Facebook groups and whatnot and and listening to people. I was more or less somebody who stood back and I, I was observing, I was listening. And, man, I was, I was like, man, all these theories of, you know, being shared and, and thrown out there. And, uh, yeah, again, I started taking notes, you know, and then that's when the research got a little deeper for me. Um, you know, my research wasn't just in the field. It started becoming out of the field. Um, that's when I, you know, little by little I started looking into um you know, simple basic biology. You know, I started look. You know, I started stepping foot into the study of zoology. You know, mainly um, to be more uh, specific, uh, primatology. Now, for the record, I don't have no degree in none of this, but I took it upon myself to self-study my. You know, to self-teach myself and get a better understanding. And of course, a lot of that knowledge and everything it, it advanced and improved over time. So. Um, you know, and then, you know, you know, I, I even to this day I continue to take a lot of these theories. Uh, a lot of them I still keep notes of, and I still consider them. Uh, I guess that's what you call having an open mind. But we can't take any theories quite yet and say they're fact. Uh, there's a lot of theories out there that we can't claim as fact. As much as we would love to, some things would seem to make sense to us. But then again, there's only something that would say otherwise. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, sorry for that long drawn out explanation. <laughs> hey, that's great, man. That's what I want. I want you just to to go with it. Um, I, I don't like you know delaying anything. I'm that's my OCD, I guess, when it comes to these podcasts. But that that was a great explanation, man. I really appreciate that. Is uh, there a particular neighbor. theory that that you lean toward in your um, in your self taught observations and field research? Well, it's funny that you asked that because actually there is there is one I I have actually stuck to, mm-hmm. uh, one I've come I, I've come to my own conclusion, and of course this is my own conclusion, and I don't expect anyone to agree whatsoever, but this is based off of my research, and my studies, and also observations, over a period of time after doing a uh, comparison. First of all, let me back up a little bit. I um. You know, I started becoming more aware of wildlife. You know, a lot of us, you know, they get outdoors, especially if we're hunters. We grew up in the woods. We're well acquainted with our basic wildlife. Mm -hmm. But part of me felt that it was more important to learn more about them. There's a lot that, you know, I know this is a common kind of a cheesy phrase, but there's more to what's out there than that meets the eye. And that's where, you know, we have to be a little bit more open, um, open our senses to what's really in front of us. So, you know, I started paying attention and studying our, our known wildlife. And not just our known wildlife, but that's when I started putting the main focus on our, prim- you know, in primatology. But when I talk about primatology, I'm talking about, according to science, our non-human primates, chimpanzees, gorillas, bonobos, you know, the biliates, you know, so forth, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I started learning basic you know patterns, their behaviors, their diets, and you know, and you know, just like I said, I, I keep it basic. 
And then I, I like to know what they're responsible for, what they're capable of doing. What are they known for doing? What are their habits? You know, and then I started comparing a lot of what they do and a lot of what's actually happening here in our own home, our, you know, our own United States of America here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because, yeah, you know, it's, we're experiencing a lot of primate, non-human primate behaviors here in the United States of America. And, you know, in the focus in the loop, uh, focus in, in the mix, more or less. Now, even though we don't have a body, we don't have a specimen to do a proper DNA comparison, because according to science, that's exactly what they need. They need a, a specimen that are alive to yeah. compare the DNA samples that they do have on record. And for the record, I am what I'm about to just briefly speak of, these DNA samples that were taken several years ago, these DNA samples, they have nothing with they have nothing to do with Dr. Melba Ketchum by no means. These were different studies and different uh, testings, and there's there's DNA samples that came back as not human, close but not human, but all these samples came back as being some type of primate. They were very close to chimpanzees. They're very close to baboon, very close to, you know, all are known non-human primates. But there wasn't an exact match. They were more closely related to our known non-human primates, but not human. Now, the thing is, science scientists can't say, well, hey, we got Bigfoot. No, they can't say that because, again, they don't have a specimen to compare, which is that sad. And, and it is also sad for those who don't want to agree with this, but, yeah, it all boils down to you need a specimen. And, of course, to be more specific, if we need a specimen, we need a body. <laughs> and, you know, exactly. that's, that's, yeah, and that's the truth. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. And for the record, I am against killing anything. But I always imagined, I always imagined if there was a way to collect a DNA sample, if the possibility ever came, across, you know, that I happened to so you come across, or anybody, not just me, for anybody, if they were ever to come across the remains. I mean, the remains is, is basically what I, you know, I think the chances are, I, there's a, I believe there is a possibility of us or somebody stumbling across accidentally, whatever coincidence, coming across a, you know, the remains, either it be bones or whatever, whatever it may be. The chances are probably like finding a needle in a haystack, you know, or taking that one needle and throwing it out, you know, in the middle of the world, and we got to go find it. Basically, that's what we're dealing with. So, but, you know, so I don't know. Um, yeah, but my theory is that I do believe, and this is one thing I, I, I clearly state, and I will say it to this day, until proven otherwise. Because, you know what, there's a lot of hearsay a lot of a lot of theories mixing this. Yeah. Again, this is my theory. My theory is I believe that Bigfoot is an ape of its own kind, of an ape of its own species. And you know, so I mean, but you know, we can't call it a chimpanzee. We can't call it a gorilla. And for those, you know, I'm sorry to say, for those who say it's human, we can't say it's human. Although, you know, then again, you got the human hybrid theory. I've always found that interesting. Now, for those, you know. 
I don't like to really get into that too much. I've gotten into that, and it's actually raised uh, a lot of controversy, uh, a lot of debate. And the thing is, when it comes to a human hybrid, you know, that's when we're talking about taking a – I know this is this illustration I'm about to throw out at you is kind of off the wall, but it's like taking a mouse DNA and trying to breed it with a horse. That's a, You know, I know that's way off track here, but – there's no different than trying to take a dog and a cat and try to breed them together. You yeah. can't have a human dog, a human, a cat, uh, yeah, a cat dog hybrid. Um, um, you know, you can't have, you know, look at horses, donkeys, you know, zebras. They're all, they're all have the same strain. They're different animals, but they're all within that same bloodline. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, you can take a house cat and take the DNA and mix it with a mount line. It will work because they're the same bloodline. They're the same strain, you know. Um, and, and, you know, and, and forgive me for looking at things a little too uh, scientifically, you know, more logically inclined um, with my point of views, you know. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, some people think I should be thinking more outside the box, which I try to. I always try to keep an open mind. But the thing is, we got, you know, we, we can't neglect science and logic. And to me, that's a very important not to overlook that, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and the biggest thing to me when it comes to, the, uh, you know, the, these theories with Bigfoot or any cryptid, it's the imagination that we let control our, our thoughts on what, you know, when, and, the, and the thing is with the imagination taking over and running rampant, you know, we're – we're turning some of our imagination into facts, which, you know, I see this all the time, and that's probably one of our biggest errors. And, and keep in mind, I said ours, you know, because, you know, I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. I had made some, you know, suggestions on a few things which may have not made no, uh, that make no sense to some. Um, you know, otherwise, some of the bizarre things I've suggested in the past, you know, more or less for speculation, what if, maybe, whatever. But, you know, I try to be careful on how I suggest things, but I will clearly share my viewpoints and my theories on what I believe something is. So, yeah. Um, something that's always interested me is, are we finding evidence of of this creature, of this thing with paleontology, with the study of fossils and bones? Um, are we finding stuff like that that um, is indicative of the Sasquatch species? Well, or not? That's actually, well, that's a good question. Um, well, let me answer this uh, this way. Okay. I believe that I do believe that we are. I do believe so. However, um, that that's coming like that, that's coming down to anything that's ever been tested, sampled, and that's kind of going back to where samples were tested before. Regardless of where these samples came from, we don't know. No, I don't think all, all the information is going to be shared or open, open, you know, but if they are come across, you know, remains that of what could be related to a Sasquatch, mm-hmm. um, you know, the thing is, we don't know if it's a Sasquatch, if they're finding bits and pieces. Now, then again, we don't know how, because, hey, look, 
they discovered a, you know, over in Asia, they discovered the molar or the tooth or the part of the small part of the jawbone that belonged to Gigantopithecus. Mm-hmm. But just because that little piece of jawbone they found and the tooth and the molar, they managed to throw that whole thing together and create a 12, foot, 12 to 14 foot giant, as, you know. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's there to say that they might be finding pieces out there that they're putting together? I know, you know, um, a lot of people don't realize, but Dr. Jeff Meldrum has actually put together, um, what's the right word, a skeletal um, model of what he believes, the, you know, the structure of a, a Bigfoot. Um, I, and I do believe mainly his structure to Stalto uh, more or less represents the the, uh, the Bigfoot displayed in uh, Patterson footage. Um, you know, based, you know, it's got the, um, you know, the sagittal crest more or less, the deep, uh, the, the, um, the, the, eye, yeah. the eyebrows and all that good stuff. But, um, well, again, I, I, actually, I do believe that, that they are because, you know, they are finding other fossils belonging to dinosaurs. If, they, if we're just right. still discovering dinosaur fossils, uh, really man, you know, fossils, uh, and so forth, they come across remains of a dwarf elephant that was, you know, only existed way back during the prehistoric or the Pleistocene era, and, I mean... They're discovering stuff like that and coming to the conclusion, hey, this is what this is, you know. But, you know, when it comes to Bigfoot, um, of course, a lot of them, they can't compare Bigfoot to a Gigantopithecus because, you know, I had a theory that I believe that related to Gigantopithecus and a Bigfoot, um, and I use that in in an illustration with, with evolution. However, I don't believe in evolution, but for those who do, I I put up a little thing in there that I threw out there, um, which kind of really contradicts evolution. Uh, in my, you know, just a small small part of it that contradicts evolution. Uh, and so, and I, I'm not ashamed to say it. The reason why I don't believe in evolution because I'm a firm believer in the Bible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, now I know that uh, you've been doing this for a while. Uh, and I know you've heard the saying "woo." Uh, have you yourself now, Daniel? Have you ever, do you believe in mind speak or that Sasquatch has a psychic ability? That's a good question. Um, well, since you put me on the spot, <laughs> <laughs> put him on the spot. <laughs> no, 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 that's all good. I personally do not. However. Again, I am willing to keep an open mind towards that. Um, for example, I've had one-on-one discussions on video chat with, um, uh, actually recently, um, from She's Watchers, Jen, Jen Cruz. Uh, we've had discussions where she shared a lot of her information, uh, you know, and where she comes from and what she, you know, how she sees things. Um, and, you know, I, I actually had Jen on last night. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, she's a she's a very incredible woman, and uh, you know she's uh, very informative. I, that's for sure. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she's good at sharing details, you know, and getting into things. And uh, but you know, yeah, she shared a lot of information with me too. And and you know, I came straight out and told her. I said, Jen, I like the sound of all this. I really do. 
I told her, I want to believe it, but I can't. It's just like a non-believer, period, or a skeptic. Or a skeptic. They want to believe, but they don't have enough to believe, you know? So, so you know... Go ahead, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go oh, ahead. no, I was, I was just going to say, I'm basically a skeptic on this. Um, it's just, I've never experienced anything, uh, especially a lot of people believe in cloaking. i never experienced that. Um, but, yeah, none of the mind speak, none of the, what they consider the woo, I personally have never experienced that. Um, now, being out in nature, as much as I have, I'm pretty well aware of my surroundings. I have actually, uh, the things I have experienced, is just to me, was natural because I've been out in the woods before, and I can go deep in the woods. I can go in some airy areas. And I've been in some of these areas where I feel totally fine, but there's other times where, you get that sense. You get that there is a sense that you pick up, and I believe it's the body's senses alerting the mind, you know, sending a signal saying, there's something out here. It's like, you know, you're becoming aware of something that you didn't know, you know, and your senses are yeah. like, warning you. There's something out here. Pay special attention to it, you know. Um, and I do believe when we get that feeling, uh, when we do feel like we're being watched, 99% of the time, most likely you are being watched. And uh, so, um, but I do believe it's important, like I said, to pay attention to your senses. And, uh, you know, um, a lot of it's instinct. A lot of it's natural instinct. It's, you know, it's a natural behavior that our bodies develop. Um, I, you know, I think some people, if you're not too experienced in the woods, if you don't get out in nature like that, um I believe it's easier for somebody to lose control because they'll panic, not realizing, you know, some things could be okay. Um, yeah. You know, and giving off false signals, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for for some, you know, for those of us who grew up in the woods, you know, exploring, becoming, you know, acquainted with wildlife and nature in general, you know, there's a lot of things that you don't fear. And there's a lot of things, you know, you're always thinking about something, but it doesn't, you know, you don't fear it unless you, you know, get unless you get put in that uh, situation or position to start fearing. Again, you, know, you can fear without seeing something. Uh, like I said, I've done it before. I have. I felt that fear. Um, yeah, I have too. So it's, yeah, again, you don't want to ignore it. You should put you more on a caution alert, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I've got I've got another question here. It's going to put you on the spot, but it's I, I, I'm curious to know the answer to this. You have a daughter, correct? Yes. What does she think about dad's pursuit of this elusive creature? Well, I'll put it to you this way. She, I think she likes it. I think she thinks it's cool. Uh, she's actually done a school report on me one time. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And it's actually got a couple of her teachers that are uh, very interested. Uh, one of her teachers, mainly her biology teacher, who actually um, – <laughs> Um, actually got tickets to my event, and she's actually uh, showed up to one of my local seminars I've had here about a year ago, and uh, so it was that you know it's actually fascinating because you know she still she still gets kids that say hey your dad's that Bigfoot guy you know she's always telling me stuff like this you know <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool, cool though yeah so you know um, she actually um, about six five six years ago. She actually claimed to have seen something, and I was with her, but I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, we that's actually, cool. 
Yeah, we were actually at a regular campground. And but where the campground's located is down by one of our uh, one of our main research areas and uh, but around surrounding the campground is nothing but the parkways, all the, the Blue Ridge Mountains. You got nothing but woods and uh, remote woods and mountains right surrounding it. So me, my daughter, and another Bigfooter that was with us at the time, we decided to go hike in the woods up behind, you know, behind the camp area. And uh, tell you what, you know, we've seen some deer, seen massive bear tracks out there, crazy size bear tracks. And uh, well, while we were hiking through the woods, you know, Brianna, she kind of wanders up a little ahead of me and the other gentleman that was with us. And afterwards, I finally, I, I kind of look up at her. I know she's just standing there, just standing there like she's froze. And so I walk up to her. I come up beside her, and I'm looking down at her face, and she's in tears. she got tears from her. And she's breaking out crying. I said, Brianna, what's wrong? And then she slowly points up. She points out in front of her and said, it's staring at me. It's staring at me. Or looking at me, one of the other, I can't remember exactly how she said it, but she was pointing me crying, so it's looking at me or staring at me. Wow. And, I, and I look over, I said, what, what? She said, it's behind the tree over there. It keeps peeking out looking at me. I said, what? And, uh, you know, I yell, I yell over to the other guy, Larry. I said, Larry, get over here. And I'm looking. I'm trying to focus. I'm looking everywhere. And and I said, Larry, she said she's, she, she's old. You know, I tell Larry, I said, she's over here crying. She said she sees something. I don't see nothing, but she said it was behind that tree. So we kind of both come around. We walk out to the opening, you know, we, we spread out, and we walk up to that tree, but we walk away, We walk up to it with our distance. But there was nothing behind that tree. Now, could it have gone up or have, could it have gone, you know, ran off already? According to the height level that she claimed, it was something like we were talking about, we're dealing with juvenile, because she said it was about four to five feet tall. It was almost her height. And uh, I want to believe that she saw something. I really do. Because so, apparently she saw something that frightened her. Now, after that little incident, I stayed a lot closer to her. Larry going off over, you know, he wandered a little ways to his, our, our left. We kept going through the bushes in and out or working away, you know, up the other way. But something up ahead... I didn't see it, but I, I saw the bushes shake violently. I said, so what the heck? I'm thinking a deer, a deer was bedded down or whatever. It could yeah. have been a bear. And at the time, I said, what the heck is that? I said, Larry, I yelled over to Larry. I said, Larry, there's something in the bushes over here. It, the bush is shaking. And then it stops. And I was like, what the heck was it? I'm looking for a deer. I'm, seeing, I'm looking for the tail to fly up for deer to take off. You know what? And I didn't see nothing. I didn't see nothing take off. And, um, you know, of course, somebody would say, well, it must have been cloaking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, that's what got me. I was like, you know, she saw something, but I didn't, we didn't get to see nothing. We seen this bush shake violently right after that incident and didn't see what took off or what was there. So that was mysterious. That was mysterious to me. You know, Mm -hmm. I still think about it until this day. So, you know. Uh, did you did you did you say that it uh, when she seen it it was kind of about her height? Yeah, she said it was almost about her. Yeah, it, it sounded like it was very close to her height. Um, you know, um, right now she's like, oh man, I'm bad at giving height judgment. Um, she she said, oh right now she's 16 years old. 
standing up next to me, top of her head probably comes to right over the top of my nose. And so, you know, to me, she's kind of tall for a female, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> so. You well, know, it's possibility she's, she's seen a uh, juvenile, you know. Yeah, I absolutely do believe she did because, you know, once she saw, you know, it had been only about four, about four or five feet tall, judging mm-hmm. from what she's saying. So. Um, People talk about cloaking and all that, but just animals themselves can be very um, sneaky, right? I mean, oh, I've yeah. been in the woods before, and a bear can just be there before you know it and be gone. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So. And you know what? And that's exactly why a lot of people, like Jimmy showed here, Ninja of the Woods. Exactly. Right? They're very stealthy. <laughs> you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the word. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, they believe hey, in, you know. Hey, Jimmy, I think yeah. we've got Miss Judy Hensley listening. Uh, Miss Hensley, are you with us? I'm listening. Hey, <laughs> Judy. How's it going? I had to check in on you guys. I love this stuff. I love hearing the stories. You do such a good job, all of you. Thank you. Uh, You know, I I had you uh, popped in on us. I I didn't expect you to not. uh, I know I hadn't to hear from you since uh, me and you last talked and we done your show on here. Well, I used up all of my uh, data on my cell phone and got a notice that I was going to have extra charges. So I've been oh, no. straight off the phone. You got a question oh. for Daniel Benoit, Miss Judy Hensley? Any new stories since we talked, Daniel? Well, nothing nothing really exciting right now. Um, you know, I mean, I was actually for, I was going to actually get out today and get out to the woods and um, do some exploring and pick up my trail cameras, but that didn't quite work out today. Uh, I ended up taking my daughter to uh, uh, go to DMV today, and then we did some shopping, and now uh, we've been home most of the afternoon. So, so and I was getting ready to say that that was kind of weird for you not to be out on a Saturday. So I figured it was something like that to keep you behind. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we got tired of doing all a few other things. Uh, you know, I had to do some shopping, pick up some new things here for the house, and you know, so. Uh, yeah, you just moved recently, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. Um, but it's, it's a nice, cozy little place here. And, you know, um, we're pretty much getting a few odds, odds and ends put in here. You know, it's slowly building up. I, I like to say I, I, I got my office space right here set up pretty well. I got got my desk here. I got actually, yeah, I got my desk and my, everything set up. My brand new printer slash scanner here. So. So, yeah, my that's little, cool. Yeah, it's all set up pretty good here. <laughs> now I know that you're into doing the Bigfoot stuff a lot. Uh, have you ever taken any uh, non other cryptids besides that? Honestly, no. I, I actually have not. Um, you know, now I've been out in the woods with others who had, you know, other cryptids on their mind wanting to look for them, but I personally haven't really uh, looked into that. Like I said, my main yeah. thing is, is Bigfoot and wildlife in general. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Zach has had quite a few. You have it, you, Zach. Yep, and we just started a new team as of today. The three of us did. <laughs> that is right. I forgot about that. 
Tell me a little bit about that there, uh, Zach, if you don't care. Well, and, too, let um, me, and, and let me ask you, too, when, when you get done with that, um, what is you and Daniel's, Jimmy and Judy, what's your all's advice in, in possibly getting a team started if there's, like, amateurs that don't really have a lot of research under their belt but would like to get out and start exploring? Well, that's really uh, yeah, uh, well, myself, I really don't consider myself having enough experience as of just now, but uh, what kind of advice would you give for somebody that's just starting out doing this, uh, Nan? Oh, well, you're asking me first? Yeah, I'm asking you first. Yeah. Well, asking okay. for anybody that wants to jump in and give some advice. Well, I'll throw a first whack at it, um, you know, because, you know, I recently, I actually have been contacted. I, I'm, you know, I'm always getting questions asking me. Uh, there's a few individuals who are still getting into this and still new. Um, and, and the one thing, I, I, I ask them questions, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get a feel for what they, where they're at, their location, and their environment they're in. Um, and, they, and they believe that they're, they're coming across possible evidence and everything, um, the tracks and so forth. And that's the one thing I ask people. I say, well, are you, you know, are you familiar with the wildlife in your area? Do you know about this and that? Do you have bears in your area? And uh, the reason I start off asking this, and I'll tell anybody that's wanting to start off in this, you need to understand your known wildlife. You, you know, you, you can't go looking for something that's considered unknown unless you know what is known. And it's very important, you know. So get familiar with your own wildlife. You know, understand what you have. Understand their patterns, their tracks. You know, what even their scat. You understand how to identify their scat um, by understanding and you know knowing how to you know identify their scat, their tracks, you know, and so forth. Uh, you know, and their behaviors. That will basically give you a basic step into tracking, learn how to track, you know, uh, what's in the area. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, getting to know your known wildlife, that's very important, um, you know. And then all the other stuff will fall into place. You know, if you're, if you're observing enough to look for every little detail of wildlife, down to the little mammal, vomit, whatever, you know, to every little critter all the way to the biggest beast of, of the forest, you know, get familiar with them. <laughs> Zach, you want to add to that? Yeah, Zach, and then I didn't mean to interrupt you and just let into the other cryptids. And, um, tell us about that. Well, um, I've been at this now for 13 years almost, and uh, I really didn't go public with my research until uh, 2015. And uh, that's whenever I started the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters. And originally it started off, there was uh, eight of us that shared a mutual interest. Um, they was, whenever I started going off, it was just me and my brother. And then my friends I was in high school with, they're saying, you really believe in that kind of stuff? And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, well, I do too. I said, well, maybe we should start a team. And not only that, I was <clears throat> getting reports and seeing reports of other cryptids other than Sasquatch that had been sighted all over uh, Illinois. And uh, that's too much ground to cover, so that's the reason I started the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters team 
because there is within a hundred mile radius of here, there is about twenty uh, other cryptids that's been reported in counties within a hundred mile radius of my home, and that's how I started the Southern Illinois Monster Hunters team. Now, I know I know that you you take in other reports other than just Bigfoot. Uh, I know you mentioned before you've uh, done uh, Dogman. Uh, Mothman. You even had a Mothman sighting. Tell everyone that's not familiar with that story a little bit about what happened that night. Well, it's a it's uh, an encounter that stuck with me to this day, and I still remember the blood red eyes of the creature. Um, my girlfriend at the time gave me a call and she said, get up and we got to get, uh, go to town. We uh, got to get Elf on a shelf. I forgot it for Christmas decoration. I said, okay, come pick me up. And so she come and she picked me up and we were driving down this old country road called Meadowlark Farm Road. And she's driving slow because it's right before Christmas. And it's just, it was cold that night, and there was a little bit of accumulation of ice on the road, and so she's driving slow, and I was keeping an eye out for deer in case there was deer crossing the road because she didn't want to hit a deer. And I said, okay, you just drive, I'll watch for deer. And I'm looking Mm -hmm. out the pasture window out in this field, and I see this silhouette standing out in the field out there in the moonlight, and it was full moon that night. I said, babe, stop the car a minute. She stopped, and I said, you see that guy out there? And she said, yeah. And I said, I'm going to get out. Let me see if he's okay. And, of course, I didn't know if it was someone that was lost, someone was trespassing, or someone was broke down and got lost, was trying to find a house to call help, or if it was someone just drunk off the rocker. And I said, excuse me, sir, are you okay? Didn't get no answer. And I said a little bit louder, I said, excuse me, sir, are you okay? Do I need to call somebody? And that's when the thing turned to me. And it looked like he was wearing a very long overcoat. But I didn't see no sleeves. And I said real loud again, I said, do I need to call somebody? Are you okay, sir? And that's when the wings opened up. And I said... I said, babe, lock the door, and about that time, the eyes flashed, kind of like whenever someone kicks their high beams on, and the pain that hit me in the eye, it blinded me, the flash did. The only thing I could compare it to was whenever you're dealing with an arc welder and you uh, get flash burnt by the arc without a mask on. And... um. I went and whenever the wings opened up, I heard what sounded like a leather, a leather, uh, piece of leather, a big piece of leather flopping in the wind, like a flume sound. And I covered my eyes up trying to uh, get my sight back, and I heard that same flume again, and I got my sight back, and I looked out there in the field, and the thing was gone. I said, babe, did you see that? And she said, yeah. And I said, did you see where he went? And she goes, no, and I'm not going to stick around to find out where he went or what it was. So we got in the car and took off. 
and all the way to town and all the way back home, we didn't say a word to each other about it. And I'm pretty sure, and I'll go to my grave saying that I encountered a Mothman. That's a great story. I like hearing that story, how uh how you tell that real good, uh, Zach. Um I know you've uh, you've also had a um I think it was near the counties where you live at, wasn't there a recent uh, dogman sighting? Yeah, me and my brother had it. Tell us a little bit about that one. Well, it was July fourth of last year. Uh, me and my family had been having our our regular uh, fireworks show that my grandparents put on every year, and we had family friends, and we had family, and I had my ex-fiance there, and my mom, my brother, and my grandparents, and our neighbors that moved down here from Wisconsin, uh, from Milwaukee, they lived up the road a piece, and I said, the boys wanted to walk home on the main road. And their parents was against it, and I said, well, here, I'll tell you guys what. Let me and my brother walk them home. That way we know they get home okay. I said, okay, fine, and they took off. So we were stopping. We stopped off in the house, and I picked up my twenty two rifle because out here it's 4th of July, and you ain't going to know when someone's going to be drunk and going to be looking for trouble or you don't know what the wildlife department's turned loose out here at all. So I took it as a means of protection and some extra muscle. So we went uh, and we dropped the two neighbors' kids off, me and my brother did, and he said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm not getting back on the main road after that idiot almost ran the four of us over. So let's cut through uh, Dale's backfield because where the neighbor lives that we dropped his two kids off in my house, there's a half-mile stretch between our houses as a crow flies. And it's a big field with a bit of a uh, 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 creek running through it with some reeds that uh, grow alongside the length of this creek, and there's the trees. And so I said, well, let's walk down there. We get to the reeds. We'll walk along the patch of reeds, head south, and we'll go up the trail through the woods and come up behind the house. My brother said, okay, fine. So we go and we start walking and we get down to those reeds and he says, okay, which way? And I said, just do like I said, let's head south to the, where the reeds meet the trees. And he said, okay. And we started walking and we took about maybe 20 steps heading south and we heard the reeds start shaking like something was in there. And I said, you hearing that? He goes, yeah, that must be a real big bird flying around in there. I said, yeah, it's probably a whippoorwill. And then we started walking, and we heard a step in the water of the creek. And the water was sloshing. And I said, did you hear that? He said, yeah. And I said, are you screwing around throwing rocks? And there he goes, hell, I am. And I said, you got your flashlight on your phone? He goes, yeah. And I said, turn it on, let me see. And uh, I went, and I said... Give me a light. So I started panning along the stretch of those reeds until I got, we was about maybe 15, 20 feet away from the reeds. And um, I got to where the light was right in front of me, and directly in front of me was a pair of golden blood red eyes with a goldish tint to them. And they were eye level with me. 
and you couldn't see the silhouette of what was in there, but you could see the eyes, plain as day, a real frank glow. And I said, turn around, you stay on the right side, you keep me between you and that those reeds, and we're going to head back to the main road. And we started walking. Sorry, I got a dip in. And uh, we started walking back north towards the main road. And every time we'd start walking, you could hear the reeds start shaking like something was pushing them to the side. And it was a full moon that night. And I looked up because the reeds grew to about maybe 15 foot tall. And you could see the tops of the reeds just parting down the middle. And they were parting pretty wide, too. I said, pick up the pace a little bit. Let's go. And we started power walking instead of just lightly walking. And that thing was keeping pace with us. I said, come on, pick up the pace. Let's roll. And we started jogging. And that thing was keeping more and more of a pace with us. And we could hear a panting, sort of like a growl coming out of those reeds. And I said, haul ass to the road. And we broke out in a dead sprint. And you could hear that thing running through the creek and shaking those reeds as it was going through. Whatever it was was chasing us, and we got back to the main road, and it broke the chase off. And I'll tell you, I'm what I call a behavioral. Uh, I study the behavior of animals in my area. I experiment trying to see how certain ways animals react, and I do that with my Bigfoot research. This wasn't no Bigfoot. Uh, by the characteristics and the habits of this creature that was chasing us. And the growl that I heard, it sounded like a Doberman uh, growling at us, a real big dog. And I'll go, and me and my brother got back to the house, and him and me was talking, and I said, you heard the growling, didn't you? And he goes, yeah. And I said, let's get in the house. And I was sitting there doing uh, some more research in the following weeks, and I come across Dogman Encounters Radio, and I was hearing these reports from these eyewitnesses of a dogman, and they was tell, basically telling an exact replica of a report of what me and my brother encountered. So I'm pretty confident it was a dogman that we encountered that night. Wow, that that's another great story. Uh, I, I like uh, hearing your uh, sightings and stuff. They're you know they're very informative. But how do you react when you when you have a sighting like that? I mean, well, what? here's the thing, though. Uh-huh. Um, whenever it's your first time, like it's your first time encountering anything, whether it be seeing a big buck for the first time when you're hunting, catch that first big trophy bass or catfish, you get an adrenaline rush. And, but whenever you're seeing, like, say you see a bear for the first time, Daniel, you've seen bear up close, and you can attest to this, you get that adrenaline rush. And it's sort of the fight-or-flight thing that kicks in. Oh, yeah. But you don't, you don't want to be with me when, if I see a bear. Because if it starts going away, you can call me crazy, but I've been known to run after him. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Did he say run after it? Yeah. 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 Wow. The thing with these things is whenever you first encounter anything, whether it be a dog man or a Bigfoot or 
the mo- uh, like the Mothman, Dogman, Bigfoot, the first time you encounter anything like that, it's a wave of emotions that takes over you. You're feeling scared. You're in awe. Uh, you have a bit of anxiety kicks in. Your fight or flight mechanism and your instincts kicks in. And that's basically what I can compare it to is it's just a wave of emotions and it's too many to name. But it's like everything, all your senses are heightened, and you basically know on the spot what to do. It's your primal instinct that kicks in. Hmm. Judy, do you have a question for any of our uh, guys here tonight? No, I'm just enjoying the conversation. Judy just, um, Judy had an, another interview tonight. She's getting kind of popular herself. Oh really? Well, that's awesome. You want to you want to tell Judy who interviewed you tonight? Well, <laughs> he may decide to drop the whole thing. I'm not sure if I did a good job or talked his ears off. Ed Brown. Oh right. Um, yes, sir. Awesome. Yeah, Ed, I like Ed. We we all know Ed pretty good. Ed's a, Ed's a real good guy. <laughs> he 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 did a good job of helping me if I you know, kind of lost track of what I was trying to say. You guys are really good at that. Daniel and um, all of you. All of you. You do a good job, too, Jennifer. We pre- well, we appreciate that. People on track. Judy, you were seriously one of, one of my greatest guests to have on our show. So, yeah, you did an amazing job. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, I love, I love hearing y'all tell your stories with such conviction. That makes me think that you absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, saw what you said you saw. Um, someone told me the other day, and actually it was Bill Lancaster. I was interviewing him about his documentary, and he talked about that. Like, you know, these people have everything to lose when they tell their stories. Because they know that the critics are going to be out there and going after them, so but they but they still choose to tell it and with conviction. And I think you said something like they they have everything to lose, like their credibility, and the only thing they have to gain is criticism. So why do they put themselves through it? They put themselves through it because they believe, you know. That's the way I see it. I mean, even out here, I'm such I'm young. I'm a kid still, pretty much. I'm known me uh, through my grandfather, uh, through what I and through what I did whenever I was a, a student at Crab Orchard High School. I'm known through my grandfather, and we're known of being real big businessmen, and we're known for being big cattlemen in Williamson County and in the surrounding counties. I have a lot to lose. But and but in the end of it, I don't care what anybody has to say about me because in the end, I'm presenting the evidence. I know what happened. What you take from it is, is on you. Yeah, exactly. And I know I do? I know a lot of them out there, and a lot of my critics, they go and they say I exaggerate on a whole lot of my stuff. I pay very close attention to detail, even in the heat of the moment. I'm able. I can get myself calmed down. And I can actually start paying more attention to my surroundings. Um, like if I see, like a couple years ago, I was turkey hunting and I saw a real big buck come right in front of my blind, about maybe five yards. 
and my adrenaline kicked in. I could tell you every detail about that buck. I could tell you about where all the white was on his body, how many points he had. I pay very close attention. That's what you got to do when you're in this field and you're a field researcher. You have to pay very close attention to what the weather's like, what season it is, what time of the year it is, what all the animals in the surrounding area are reacting to all this stuff. If you're seeing uh, the subject up close, you have to pay very close attention and to detail. And I've got a photographic memory. That's how I got through high school uh, with taking all them tests is because I'm a fast learner and I uh, was able to pick up on detail very easily. And I'm sort of at what you call an empath. And I pick up on emotion a whole lot. And you have, Daniel, anybody will tell you, Jamie will tell you, we have in this field, we have to pay very strict, close attention to detail and be very strict about it. Yeah, you have to. Absolutely. You know, one of the main common questions people ask me when, you know, when they hear about, you know, when they hear about there's, oh, there's a history of sightings, you know, the the sightings, the reports date back over well over 100 plus years or so. And, um, you know, one of my one of my best friends growing up asked me, he says, "Do you believe all those reports?" I said, "Yes and no." I said, "But you know, everything that we hear, we got to tell you with a grain of salt." But one of the things I shared this recently on actually well, my show I had on last night with a guest, and I shared it on Facebook Live. But one of the most credible reports I find fascinating and very intriguing that I believe that holds a lot of credibility is hunters. I've gotten so many reports from hunters. Yes. And bear hunters. Oh, my goodness. I can tell you what. Bear hunters, that hunters that strictly hunt bears, that share the sighting that they've seen, what they know was not a bear standing next to a tree up on a hill. You know, these guys don't know how to identify a bear. If that was a bear, they would have said it was a bear. These guys, you know, they're hunters. You know, I've had... Three reports within a three-year period come back from one location from three different hunters that didn't know themselves, didn't know each other. And, you know, I document all these reports. I mean, I investigated reports. You know, I, I met up with a woman and her daughter a couple of years ago, you know, that had a sighting on the side of the road going up the mountain. But most of my reports come from hunters, you know, because here I am, you know, like I told people, just like Zach said, I don't care what people think of me. I throw out what I do publicly. And for that very fact, for the very purpose that it reaches people, there's people out there that have seen something that they don't know who to turn to. They want to talk about it. They want to get it off the chest. But they're, they're afraid to share and talk with their own families about it. But when they learn about you, man, they're going to they're gonna find a way to come up, uh, approach you, either it be through social media or they find your number on a card. And uh, I've been contacted, phone calls, emails, you know, through Facebook. And, you know, it, it's, it's been very rewarding, you know. You know, I I got cards with my name and my detail, who I am, what I do. And I have, you know, I've posted several ways to contact me. And I throw the information out there. I, I leave cards in random places. And it, like I said, over the years, it's been very rewarding. Get, hearing and learning about reports, where they come from, you know, is giving me a better insight of my, you know, not just my main research area, but a lot of reports all border, all connect to my research area. Uh, some might be a little further away, but a lot of them, there is a cluster of, there is a pattern 
that I picked up on where where these creatures exist or where they're roaming to, coming and going. So, but, you know, yeah, but, you know, as far as hearing the credibility of people, you know, I find, again, I find the hunters, uh, the outdoors people, probably one of the most credible people. And not to mention one of the reports I got from, he wasn't just a hunter. He was actually a police officer. I met up in the woods one day while turkey hunting two, uh, two, two seasons ago. And uh, that guy's pretty cool. I like him, you know, and uh, shared, some, uh, shared some real good information with me. So, I mean, who could not be more credible than a police officer? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. absolutely. There's one thing to throw out there, though, that just hit me. You got all these non-believers out there. They're saying, oh, you're full of shit, and you don't know what you're talking about. You're making all this up. It's because they want to go and live life thinking that they know that they got everything in this world figured out. They don't want to go and live their life, you know, wondering what if and have all that doubt in the back of their mind. And they basically want to live a happy life and everything and basically go and not face the truth that people are actually seeing something and it's beyond their comprehension. Well, you know, the saying, ignorance is bliss, you know, I think a lot of people live by that. The less no. you know, the the more comfortable you are, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Not to change the subject, guys, but that reminds me, uh, I'll be talking to a guy tomorrow taking a Bigfoot report of Whitesburg Mountain on the Cumberland side. Uh, the guy told me uh, that he seen this bipedal creature on the side of the road, and he really didn't pay much attention to it till he got past it, just enough to where he could see it in the rear view. And he put on his brakes, and the red light from his brakes is shone upon the creature. And when it did, it stood up and walked behind his vehicle. And he said that's when he noticed there was something weird about that. Uh, his wife was telling my wife that he came home white as a ghost. And uh, I was like, well, you've is is it going to be okay if you talk to me about this? And he's like, yes, I you know I want I want to tell it you know because I I don't want people to think I'm crazy. He said, but, you know, he wants to tell what happened that night to him, and uh, I'll be sure to share that uh, sighting on the next episode that we have next Saturday night. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's very interesting Yeah, it really, su- yeah, it really surprised me because there's quite a bit of uh, sightings here in Harlan. And you know, you know how people are when it comes to sightings and stuff. Everyone's afraid to be called crazy, or you know, afraid of being shunned by the rest of the public. Uh, as we know, being in this type of environment, you're going to get that. You know, you're going to get people that's going to call you nuts, call you crazy. You know, everything. But you just got to learn to take it. Uh, let that stuff roll off your back. Uh, they're no better. People are no better than what you are, and uh, you but know. Then, and I'm sure Judy can attest to this with all the oral history collection that she's done. But then you have like so many people to sit down with you and say, you know, I did have an experience, and it's yeah. people. There's people out there that's willing to be open about it more than you think. Yeah, but you still you still you still get those type of people though that are afraid to come forward and they're afraid to talk about their experiences. 
um, you know, and you can about basically talk to a person, and within just a few minutes of talking to them, you'll know in their voice how sincere they are, whether they're lying to you or whether they're not. Uh, I've I've learned to do that over the years myself, uh, getting involved in this, and I'm sure uh, Daniel has too, and Zach. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Speaking of reports, uh, speaking of report database, which one of you boys want to talk about the newest thing uh, that we've launched? I don't. We just go ahead and let you do that, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been debating on this for a while, uh, a couple months actually, and uh, it's called Encrypted CSI. And basically, it's a group of big-name researchers that I've pulled together, <coughs> uh, Matt Delf, uh, Fred Caney, Daniel Benoit, Rich Daniels, uh, Michael Cairo, Brian Jeffries, my cousin Kyle Nation, uh, and Jimmy, yourself, we've pulled together, and along with Baltimore Govan Jr. out of Texas. Uh, basically, what we are doing here is uh, basically pulling in a database because there's a lot of people that go and they focus on the sightings that, and the encounters these people have, but we're trying well, – this project that I've launched with Cryptid CSI is we're pulling in and collecting a database of unusual attacks on animals and unusual killings like uh, with the chupacabra, you have where the where the prey is drained fully, uh, drained completely of blood, and they have the three fang marks in the neck. Uh, you have where the way a, a sasquatch has been reported to kill an animal is by breaking its neck. Uh, with the dog man is by like taking it up a tree and eating it like uh, eating its prey, like the massacre that happened in LBL. That's basically what we're doing. We're not only taking in reports and encounters of, that people are having, but not only that, we're showing other reports of, like, these animals' habits whenever it comes to feeding and stuff like that. That's what Cryptid CSI is, and hopefully it's going to turn into a big thing. That sounds awesome. Because that's a lot of stuff that gets overlooked, I find, a whole lot. We're always uh, focused on getting who's uh, getting reports of people that's actually seen these things but we're basically focusing on aftermath of these creatures after they attack and they massacre like a, a goat herd or kill a couple cattle or they find coyotes with certain organs pulled out stuff like that that's what we're mainly focusing on well, a lot of people don't like to talk about uh, the land between the lakes beast, the little episode that happened back in the 80s when the family was slaughtered. Yeah, if you guys missed it, we had a, a guest last night spoke about that last night. Um, yeah, that was uh, sound pretty intense from what he shared, how he was talking about a cover-up and everything else, you know. Yeah. You know, it got a little crazy there, uh, what I heard last night. <laughs> well, what what uh, got me, though, on the whole situation is when they found the little girl in the tree. Uh, I mean, what type of animal do you know in the wild, Daniel, that would actually carry a uh, child up a tree or a good-sized prey other than a cougar? Mountain lion, 
you know, that type of feline. Because you know for a fact a canid is not going to carry something like that up into a tree. They're going to try to take it off and bury it. Right. I agree. Yeah. There was one little thing. I was watching an episode of Monster Quest uh, today. I've been watching Monster Quest all day today. I was watching this thing about um, the crowned eagle of Africa snatching up monkeys and taking them up in the tree as prey. Yeah. And that 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 does make sense. You know, that's another possibility, too. Because a, a, a small child would uh, not weigh that much. And if, um, you know, from the way that they talked about the markings on the bo- her body from, um, you know, from passing, you know, it, it could have been a um, – it could have been some type of eagle or a big hawk, some type of big predatory or bird. We really never really know. Well – I've seen on different, um, like, National Geographic, or I've seen other videos, bald eagles. Bald eagles try to take prey twice the size of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. You know, the eagles, any kind of bird of prey, is not afraid to fight off another bird, a scavenger. I, I bear witness to this about two weeks ago. I was on my way home from work. And there was a uh, deer that had been struck by a car laying dead over in the ditch, and there was a red-breasted hawk feeding on that uh, on that deer. And then here come a turkey buzzer trying to pick on that deer, and that red-breasted hawk got a hold of that buzzer, started kicking the shit out of him. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. That hawk was on top of that buzzer. He was kicking him with his feet, and that buzzer ended up rolling over about two or three times before it got to take off. I've I've witnessed myself. I've seen the uh, the what we call the chicken hawks around here fight with the eagles here down here on the riverbank where I live at. I've recently seen that too, and I've noticed that uh, them tur- the turkey vultures are real bad in this area too, and they are huge. I've seen them things. I mean, seriously, almost four feet tall, yeah. uh, wingspan at least twelve feet or more. I mean, they are humongous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got them big here in Virginia. So, Well, guys, um, the, I'm about what, to... One last question. Go ahead, Jen. What's a gal got to do to have a Sasquatch sighting? <laughs> <laughs> I'll touch on that real quick. Just go okay. out there. Just go out there and mind your own business and don't go looking for them. That's how it's always been with me and with my encounter. <laughs> there you go. Just go out there and don't even go looking for them. It usually happens by accident. Is that right? Well, well, on that note, they call me Sasquatch. Once you meet me in person, you'll have an encounter. <laughs> 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 well, maybe that'll happen soon. Yeah. I'm considering Well, folks, uh, I'll be that. We're about to, to hit run out of time here tonight to... Uh, uh, cutting it pretty close, uh, but uh, Daniel, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. You too, Zach. I've really enjoyed you having on here, Miss Judy. Oh, thank, you. thank you for for coming along. Also, always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This is awesome. But uh, folks, join me next Saturday at 9 p.m. for another episode of Ninja of the Woods. I'm Jimmy Blanton, and Jen and my co-host, Miss Jennifer McDaniel's. 
Good night and God bless. Keep it squat, you guys. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.